Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on FM Riverside and 105 AM Palm Springs. Uh, first of all, thank you for being on the show, Robbie. No, thank you for having me. This is great. So, um, let's let's start with with Robbie. Um, where did it all start for you getting into the um, what you do now? Like, was there a turning point in your younger life somewhere or some event or happening, as we would say, that all of a sudden um, maybe woke you up to what you were going to be doing in the future? Yeah, I went through to be a police officer twice. And the first time I went through to be a police officer, age 17, I went through all the testing and all the written work and what have you. Um, many candidates beat them out and they were taking three auxiliaries at the time in my hometown of Sarnia, and went up to the chief of police office, signing the paperwork. I remember the chief grabbing the paperwork, Chief Cook, and he looked, <laughs> and he looked at the paperwork, and he had a great big grin on his face, and he says, son, you got to come back when you're 20, because you can be an auxiliary when you're 20, 21, can become a police officer. I was only 17, so I was hired and fired in the same day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, <laughs> the love of becoming a police officer is what I really wanted to do. So I waited to grow up a little bit more and kept doing police testing when I was 19, 20, 21. And then I was hired on a town outside of Toronto, Canada. Um, getting home and sitting in the kitchen with my family and I hear this lady screaming, accident. I just actually got back in off the, off the highway coming in from doing the testing that weekend. And sitting down, and, and so I, hop, I go up to the backyard, 
hop up on the fence and take a look. And there's a lady running around in a robe screaming, and she's pointing down the long row of townhouses. So I hop the fence, and I'm, and I'm running down that way where she's pointing. So I'm thinking car accident. So that's what I heard from her as accident. As I'm running down, I curve around the road, go to the street. I see no vehicles. I see no accident. And then a gentleman to my left, by the screen door, says, no, in here. So he waves me over. I run over. I get to the door. He pulls me in. I see another lady running around the table frantically, screaming. And I look to the right, and there's a gentleman holding a doorknob, and he's white as a ghost, and he waves me over. I go over towards him, but I'm still got my eyes keen on the floor looking for blood because I was initially in that prone way of looking for an accident. And as we get to the door, he opens the door, grabs me, shuts me, and shuts the door. I'm in a very small bathroom now, and I'm looking at the floor, and I look up, and there's a gentleman sitting there in the bathroom toilet, and he's looking at me, his eyes wide open, and he's gone, he's dead. So I run over to where he is, and I'm touching him. And now the instinct for vitals and everything start to come in, CPR and whatever, he looks a little bit blue. A little bit pale and tasty, and I'm, and I'm touching him for, for vitals, and there's no vitals. So I go and get ready to do CPR, and I hear, let me go. So it was very faint, and I heard it, and so I step back for a second, and I'm thinking of it, so I go right back again, I'm going to do CPR, and I hear it really loud, let me go. So I did step back, and, and I'm looking at this gentleman looking at me, you see right through his, his eyes to his soul, and I know he's not there. So out I go at the door, and you can hear a pin drop. Did everybody then, the, it was two, three people, there was 50 people in that room. They were all staring at me, wanting an answer. Um, you know, I just shook my head and everything just went haywire after that. And found out through the coroner that he had a massive coronary, and his, his heart rate, so there was no way of saving him either way. Um, I knew then that I had a different approach because as a child I heard in a scene growing up and imaginary friends as people say and what have you. So now I'm 21 years of age, I'm 49, I'm going to be 50 here shortly. So we're going back that far. And the very first movie I'm ever in is a training exercise for police officers, firefighters, and EMTs. And you just can't get hired on and quit without them wanting to know why why are you quitting? And because they just put a whole bunch of candidates through all this rigorous testing and spent lots of money and you're, you're quitting. So they sent the film crew. I had a captain, a sergeant, and a film crew from Chatham Police Force come down to the home and they were asking various questions. And so when I got to the part where the individual was speaking to me and I could hear him, they were, their jaws were literally hitting the floor. And, um, <laughs> you know, looking back at it in hindsight, it, it's difficult to tell people this, and, and we can, can't imagine. But, um, yeah, so that's the very first movie I'm in. And then... Well, and, and back... So th this would have been a while back. Um, I would... Were you married at that time? Yes. Yes, I was married. Okay, so, so how is it that you're... How did you go home and tell your family, or did you? Like, were you able to tell your wife and say, well, this is kind of what happened? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a different type of um, scenario going back and telling them what was going on. And um, 
it was it was very it was very uh, a different situation as well because my father ended up because he was there for coffee that morning. By the time he got to the patio door and I came up shaking my head, I was explaining on the walk back what happened and and uh, you know and then the side story to this as well, Alan was it turned out to be my sister's best friend's father. Um, crazy and how that sounds, but that's how it went. So we went to the funeral. And um, it's hard to see people in distraught and what have you. And I'm a very emotional guy when it comes to um, people losing loved ones and what have you. Um, and getting that bridge and explaining, you know, this is what's going on, this is what, what's happening and what have you, it, you know, people understand and, uh, you know, uh, especially fan members. Yeah, yeah. And, and so how, how does it affect um, a police officer's life, but? Uh, you know, and then that ending up like not becoming a police officer after that and, and doing what I did. My first case was about 25 years ago um, in my hometown. There was a gentleman, there was a boy who came from Quebec and moved to Ontario with his family. He was working at a gas station, earning money for a part-time job in high school. Um, self-serve. There was two individuals who were ripping off a car stereo in the townhouses across or adjacent from the gas station. And they decided to go across and rob the gas station. Or Mark Campbell was in the gas station working that night. Um, prior to, to me getting this story to you guys and explaining it, I was in the parking lot of an apartment building my friend was a superintendent or managed the building. And I was looking over his shoulder and he caught me that my eyes weren't on him anymore but on another individual in the distance walking towards the front entrance of the building to go in. And I seen this black shroud around this individual. When I see black around people, the bad, that's what I've distinguished over the years. And so this was really all around me. If you could picture Eddie Van Halen, five foot nothing, this kid was a spitting image of Eddie Van Halen. So Greg turns around, looks over, I was looking, he says, that's Jesse, you want to go meet him? And so we ended up somehow in Jesse's apartment on the third floor. We're sitting there talking, and the line of questioning that were coming from me, because Greg filled me in a little bit about Jesse, and as along the lines of, you know, he's up in court for some charge, and so I'm, I'm looking at this kid, this kid, and I'm questioning him, and he says, stand up. So I did. I stand up. And he goes, are you effing hot? And I didn't know what he meant. And all of a sudden, he's raising my shirt, feeling around my body, and I'm not near He's looking for a wire, an effing hot. So then he says, stand. He goes, you want to know? He says, I'm in court over this. And he starts explaining. And he starts to say, we went and to robbed the gas station after ripping up the car stereos, and Thomas pulled out a gun, Thomas Cook, and he pulled out the gun, and he says, you should have seen him hopping like a rabbit, and he, he could picture me holding the hand right now like a gangster, how they hold the gun sideways. This is how this kid was showing, and he's going, and he popped him like this, and he says, the kid was hopping around like a rabbit, and he had no remorse, he had no inkling of 
any sadness in him. It was like a game to him. And in the midst of him doing that, his pregnant girlfriend was pacing back and forth and telling him to shut up. And he stood up and he came her and told her to shut up. So this right there, we're all alarmed now. Now I'm standing, Greg's standing, and he's telling us to leave. I was going to leave his apartment. He grabs me, turns me around, and says, I tell anybody I'm going to kill you. So, okay, fine. We leave. I go back down to where I live. I call the detectives in the, in, in the police station. And I explain to them what took place. They said, Rob, you have to go back and befriend him and wear wire force because we're in the midst of a trial with him over this Mark Campbell that is an artifice. And, and I couldn't put one to one together at the time, but then it all started coming flushing in. And I was like, wow, this is really uh, something, but I can't do that because he made me already. He already lifted my shirt, felt me for a wire, and, and so on. Um, so that was my first case 25 years ago. And I keep telling people on every show I do, you know, they want to be a psychic. They want to be whatever and help them at least work. Do not put yourself in harm's way. Do not do what I did. That was a foolish, foolish thing to do 25 years ago. Hmm. And, and, and so how was it that you got into actually doing this um, with police agencies, I, I, I find that most, most police agencies do not uh, take, take, take on this easily. And in fact, in some areas, I know in England, I produce a show in England, and uh, um, they think you're mad, as they would call it, if you go to a police agency and try to help them um, with psychic abilities, in however you want to do it, they uh, they think that's nuts. And so, um, so in different areas, so how is it that you were able to, let's say, break the ice or get into it? Over the years, back in 2003-2004, I had a radio show, and during that span of four years of doing it, the Natalie Holloway case came about. The producers of BBC Radio um, and an award-winning film producer wanted to put this thing there where we go to Aruba and give information where Natalie would be. I drew my drawings, the shoes left on the beach, um, the boat, yellow colors, and, and everything that, that we've now seen on TV uh, over the last years. Um, coming from that where the authorities on Aruba, we were about to leave. We were about to board the plane, go and, and do all this. The authorities said, step back, because everybody and their grandmother home in that island. And the economy followed, because it was just about Natalie. And, uh, so the one producer said, we can't go there at this present time. Um, you know, we're going to put this down for a little bit. What would you like to do now? Well, we went and shot a movie instead, and then I got called for another case um, helping out with uh, a award-winning screenwriter, Gloria Shepard, on the murder of Brian Jones, the Rolling Stones. She went a little bit of insight what I could hear and what happened. And it just continually rolled, and it got more and more and more and more and more. Um, and, you know, people go to RobbyThomas.net, and you can take a look on the murder, missing persons cases that are all listed there. 
there's all kinds of letters from people from back in the early 2000s all the way up to now, and from endorsements from police and what have you that are there on various cases, people missing that are found alive, to people that we've actually, you know, assisted in putting in jail for murdering children. Um, it just snowballed, and then word got out, and it just continued on, um, right up to present day. Have there ever been uh, kind of, um, let's say, how do we say, um, negative pushback, or people that say that don't want you to help, or that have um, maybe a, a different point of view? You know, uh, there's still quite a few people, for instance, that I come across that say that it's, you know, the devil's work, or you're speaking with the devil, or it's uh, it's really a demon, or you know, there's there's some sort of connotation in that area. So. Have you come across that in your work yet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've come across the fans who actually reach out who, you know, and I'm not saying calling them, let's say, Bible thumpers or, you know, very religious individuals because, you know, I believe in, in God and Jesus is my Savior and, like, you know, whatever faith people may be. Um, it's funny because one lady who's very conservative, very religious, child got taken into the sex slave trade. Her letter is right there on the page. She says, he brought my daughter back alive. Um, you know, we, we went through conversations on the phone. She was very adamant in saying, my family's conservative. There's no way I'm going to do what you tell me to do. But I said, but you approached her. She goes, I know. I followed you since the mid-90s. I used to have forums, you know, the Robbie Thomas forums in the mid-90s. And have people from all over the world, you know, help them out spiritually and what have you. And so she followed me and she says, I never thought I'd have to use you, but the detective is at a loss. We don't know what to do. And so I mentioned you. He said, contact you and ask. So we went through, like I said, very different scenarios over the phone. And I gave her an, an idea what to do because I felt and seen that they were watching our Facebook page. And I said, you're going to have to put this down as a as a heading or whatever you want to put, but you're going to have to put these, the, what I write up, and she says, there's no way, my family's conservative, they'll disown me, my, you know, my friends will talk to me, and, and we went through all this, and then we disengaged our conversation. That was about, that was Thursday, I believe it was. Then she called me back up again Thursday night, and we spoke, and I said, look, it's either the wall between you and your daughter and them you want your daughter, and that's the main point. You know, we have to work and do what is right. And those people who are on the other side saying that it's wrong, well, we're going to do the right thing, and we're going to get your daughter back. And so she says, you know, I love my daughter, I want her back. So we, we give her back what we did on a Friday, and on the weekend, that, that weekend, that's just Friday, Saturday, Sunday, she had her daughter back. And as you can read her letter, it's all stipulated right there. Um, that's just one instance of very conservative religious people. Um, you know, when you look in down in Kentucky, there's a boy that was missing. I get the, I'm in Canada, and I get a picture in his name. That's all I get. And so, they automatic hand drawing, or, you know, as they call it, the devil's book, um, on paper, was coming from spirit. And I was asking, please lead me to the area where you are. Give me something that I can start with. And so he shows me stadium lights. And I put four circles, and I put stadium lights off. 
when I went through a repeat offender and, um, you know, flags and people wearing orange vests, well, he stood on the, the murderer's front porch. The construction was right in front of his house. The guys in the orange vest and the flags on the ground. And that's where the little boy was playing with those flags that the murderer then took him and put him in his house. And then they said, give me a name. They gave me John. And again, if you stood on the front porch of the murderer's home and looked through a little clearing across the street, Papa John Stadium, again, there's the, the light was right there. So we're in the right area. This is coming from good. This is coming from spirit. There's nothing bad about this. We're trying to locate a boy who's missing into some evil devil who has him. So I said, give me something more. Give me more. Give me his name. And there was a break. And I'm getting post, during, and, or sorry, before, during, and post of this boy's murder. And so there was a break, and I'm frantic, and I'm going, I'm already into it an hour, trying to get this information, and I'm speaking to spirit. And all of a sudden he comes back and gives me a name of Cecil. So I'm doing what drawn on the top of the page out of the eyes of a four-year-old what the man would look like. And you see his mugshot there alongside of the drawing I did, his ears protruding out, and it's very similar. And the name Cecil. So I put Cecil and an arrow down towards the, the drawing I did. While the man, who's the devil, not me, because I'm trying to help and find this boy and try to, to find a result of this case, which, you know, we are enlightened through angels and, and God helps in, in various ways, gives me the name. And sure enough, the guy's name who murdered the little boy was Cecil. Cecil Eugene He's in jail. He'll never see the daylight ever again. Uh, he was a repeat offender. Everything that's on that paper, that's what that man was. And the boy was showing me. The spirit was showing me. So when people say, this is a different way of looking at it, saying, you know, we don't believe it because it's evil, because it's not. Because we're getting positive, re positive action out of this. I don't take money for it. I've never taken a reward for it. And I help people out find their lost loved ones and, and put them, assist the police who make their arrests to put these murderers away. What evil is that? Mm -hmm. and, and if I can ask, so you are a uh, Christian. And yes. were you brought up that way? Is this something that changed in your life or something you, you were kind of brought up? You've always sort of been a Christian. Well, yeah, Roman Catholic Christian. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, I, I look at it the same way. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I was just curious um, in how. So, so your whole family must have been religious that you were growing up with at the time. Yeah, my mom. My mom. I learned a lot from my mother because she didn't see black and white like a lot of jaded individuals in, in our life. As children, we see everything in color because that's the perfect recipe for a perfect life is looking at the eyes of a child because they don't see racism. They don't see, you know, hatred towards people who are um, different sexual orientation or whatever. It's just, that's life, and, that, and, and they accept it. We get older, we get jaded, and we start stipulating things and, and, and putting things in the corners and, and what have you. My mother wasn't like that. My mother was for everybody and every faith. And she went into her home. She had a Buddha. She had um, Nefertiti. She had um, Jesus and Mary. She, she had everything. And, and I learned, and I used to ask her questions, why? And she says, because everybody has their rights. And so I learned a lot from that. 
and took a lot of a lot back with me over the years from being nurtured from her. Um, you know, in the aspect of saying, is this the right way, or this is the right way, living life and living it and letting other people live life fully themselves is the right way, and having respect for everybody. That's the, the whole purpose of life. Right, right, yeah. And, and, and that's important. I, I think um, I was just kind of checking to see if, because um, sometimes it changes people's family dynamics when one person becomes uh, into the medium or psychic realms and they start practicing such as what you do, and sometimes it uh, uh, maybe scares off other members of the family. Yeah, you know, my children are like this. It's amazing how my daughters are. Um, I, I wrote a book called Signs from Heaven, and we, we bought this home from Gina. It was a sad story. She bought this home. Her mother and father helped her renovate it. It was one of the oldest farm homes in the area. It was, it was the very first one in the area, actually, and it was built in 1950. Um, they renovated it made it beautiful. And her mom and dad went on vacation, and while they were on vacation, they were hit by a semi-truck and killed. So Gina, in the, in the midst, put the house up for sale. My wife and I were in the house hunt for a long time. And we just gave up. We gave them for, for a little car ride in the area, in the beautiful area. And we weren't looking for a house. We just, I didn't know why I came down this road. And there it was. It was up for sale in the morning. We spoke to the, the um, real estate agent that afternoon. The deal was done late afternoon. And we get a phone call, and, and she actually dropped the price. But where do you agree to the price? I don't, you know, this is a really touching story. And then, okay, we, we'll take that. And then, she threw in brand new fridge and another phone call. Brand new fridge and dryer, uh, washer and dryer, stove. I don't know. This is unbelievable. So, you know, we couldn't understand why everything was happening like this. It was happening for a purpose. But then we found out that on the signing, as I was signing the papers, the realtor said to me, her mom and dad were killed in a car accident just not like a week ago from renovating this whole home. And I guess she went out quick. So I guess the memories and whatever and what have you. And so she leaves. We take over the home. And her, and I'm right, I write the story about Gina in the book, and we've often talked on the phone. We're still in touch. Like I said, I stay in touch with her. And her son was staying in the one room upstairs on, on the third floor where my daughter was staying. And my daughter was saying, I hear voices, I see things, and it's very very electrifying in that room and so you know I started seeing a little child running around my daughters actually seeing them a lot more than I I catch her out of the corner of my eye and, and trying to focus and try to figure out where this child's coming from we put a pool in the backyard now and we dug up we dug up little bones so you know a hand with frilly dress on it and a femur and, and it was really was it was huge horse bones all along the middle as well. So I get a hold of the original owners and I talk to them who built the home back in 1950 and they said, no, we never buried anybody in the backyard. So it's just amazing who ever got buried back there even before 1950. And as, as we're going through all this, my daughters are seeing this child up on the third floor and running around and 
what have you, my wife starts to have these interludes as well. We're in bed, and she'll pull the covers over her head. She goes, I hear the child's voice, and it's asking me, teach me how to play. Teach me how to play. And I said, well, you know, I'm trying to, and it's abating me because it knows I can see it here, and it, I'm catching the little child out of the corner of my eye, but you're actually hearing it saying, teach me how to play. So I called Gina up, and Gina goes, oh, my goodness. My mother and father, the room that you guys have, your bedroom, that was their room. And the room that your child's in, that was Michael's room. And we had to get him on medication because the doctor thought he had ADHD, but he, but I kept swearing he didn't. He was telling me he was hearing voices, and the little girl was visiting him. And what happened was the mother of Gina would go up to Michael's room and say the Catholic prayer, teach me how to pray. That's the title of it. Not teach me how to play. So my wife is here and teach me how to play. So we put one and one together, and oh my goodness, so that's what it is. The child wants my wife to continue going up to Cherish's room to say the prayer, teach me how to pray. And it was amazing. So, you know, I write that story in the book, and my daughter's, um, my one daughter, Mackenzie, used to love going into Jessica's room. And as you get to the end of the hall, you have to take a sharp right, and it's about three feet so you get to the door and go in there. And Mackenzie wanted to go and play with makeup, and, you know, kids do, right? Mm, yeah. And all of a sudden, we hear this ghastly scream, and here comes Mac, and she's warning. We can hear her warning frantically. And then, boom, 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 boom. She falls down the first flight of stairs, gets up, runs, trips, boom, 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 second flight of stairs, runs right into the living room, jumps right into my arms. And what's mine? She goes, that child, I see. She ran face to face with the child. So, yeah, my kids see, um, you know, inherently. And uh, it's amazing how how vast they are. And they, they, they see what I do. I mean, on murder cases, um, like Victoria Stafford, I brought them to meet the family. Um, I thought it would be good because of the fact the first time I went down to see see the family, they had a little girl there, and she was very upset, and I said, and my daughters, and, you know, they could talk, and I'm working with the family, Rodney, who's the father, and what have you. And um, I think it's a family thing, because when I, when I get with families, it's like I adopt them, they adopt me, and, you know, we just don't not talk anymore. And then it's uh, something else. So they know what I do. They know what Dad does. Um, you know, the filming, whatever. And I brought my wife on many cases as well. And she sees what goes on. And, uh, they're all, I guess, being around me, they would themselves inherit what, what's going on. And they're very open to hmm. You know, is this something you think that uh, perhaps everybody has? Intuition? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's just something that most people don't pay attention to. Well, that's it. You know, that's a good word to use. I like to use acceptance. There's a lot of people who, again, as you know, taking that analogy of a child, we're not jaded, we're completely open, coming to a jaded individual because we're cynical, we get older, we want the tangible, we want proof, we want this and that. If they're not as open and accepting to certain things, they'll shut it off, and, you know, they'll say, well, you know, I was just thinking the phone was going to ring, and it did, or, you know, I was thinking that song, it came on the radio, that's part of intuition, those are baby steps, you know, and, you know, I was thinking of my friend, just last night, and this morning, I bumped into that baby steps, and then you get into where you're completely open, and like I said, you get the murderer's name, 
and you get the body's location, and uh, you can get the daughter home alive. So where do you see yourself now? You've 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 been doing all sorts of things, and now um, you're going to be part of a veryparanormal.com. dot com. Um, do you want to explain that actually? Um, what what's happening there? Yeah, they are a very small at this time being. We just launched uh, Paranormal twenty four seven seven days a week. They're on a low budget right now, and they're hoping to grow like every station when they when they open to like a Netflix or an HBO where you'll have like a five or ten million dollar budget per show and, and, and do these things. They got the great idea, they got the great backing, it's a slow start like anything in life and they'll eventually get to that point. And the producers who are in with very paranormal with a, with a vast amount of people that are involved in this who brought this forward. They shot Psychic Profiler with me, International Police Chief Kevin Smith, who was my offset on the show, and America's Most Wanted Film Crew. We shot a double homicide in Kentucky back in 2011-ish, 12. And we've been sitting on it. It got picked up quick by both of us we owned, wanted it. It was a Friday. I remember I was shopping, and <laughs> this is comic girl, and you're going to have a giggle. <laughs> I was shopping with my wife, and the phone rang, and it was Michael Lamport. He says, you going to believe this? I just pitched it yesterday. They want an emergency meeting. We're not to pitch it to nobody else no more. They want the show. And I said, oh, my God, who is it? It's owned. I said, oh, wow. And so I said, I said to my wife, I go, here, you hold the phone. I'm going outside with the shopping cart to speak. And I, met, I gave her the shopping cart, and I called up the phone. I was excited. So, so anyways, <laughs> I don't fluster. And um, sure enough, everything was great. Then, just like things happen as quick, things happen as quick the other way as well. The following week, Oprah had her money woes. And uh, if you remember that, that she lost all that money, like $384 million. Her, she, she canceled Rosie O'Donnell. And then, of course, we got shelved. And they told us if they wanted the second window of it, that meaning if, say, NBC picked it up, they would show it as well. Um, so that's where we stood. And then in the light of everything else that was going on, Kevin Smith, uh, chief of police, international police chief, uh, decided to go to bed one night and never woke up. So I lost a good friend, a very good cop, very good cop. Um, one of the, I would say, best thinking, methodically thinking individuals to help families. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But it's gone. And so for a year, I sat on, you know, just thinking, who can I get? What can I do? You know, I could do the show self myself. Sure, work with law enforcement. Um, but I had this tangible guy with science, and I'm spiritual, and put it together and work it. Well, I come along and did a case with U.S. Marshal Jeff Broden. I've invited him, um, Assistant Chief of Police Martha Decker, who is excited to work with me. I'm excited to work with her. She's tough as nails, and she reminds me of the female side of Kevin, and um, I'm very excited. We've got the great team of people still there, on-scene death investigators, and, and what have you, and other sheriff departments and law enforcement agencies that are, are, are waiting. We actually, Alan, just pitched this again yesterday. So all the networks have it. We have so many people who commented on it on social media, hundreds that want to show up and running because there's a lot of families who need help. And uh, I've devoted my life in helping people this way. Um, I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's the proper thing to do when you have an able ability to go out and reach out and do this. Because, you know, for the moment, and I call it for the moment, it's me doing this. And for the next moment, it might not be me no more. God might not need me, it might be Alan. And Alan's going to do it. So then, let's take advantage of this and, and help as many people as we can and get it done, and not fast, but the quality of it, and help these people. Um, so it got pitched yesterday, and I'm also sitting with another show, Contract, I'm looking at it on my desk right now, and it's with my agents. It, um, it is kind of quirky, but you know, you work through things like that. And there's a third show I created that got pitched also yesterday or the day before, and it's with an award-winning, Academy Award-winning film producer in L.A. who is just over the top of it. So, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm looking at the variations of everything I can do from, you know, straight up paranormal to going to doing police work. And I want the, the gist of both. You, you know, it, it has to be that way because people come first. Families come first. And that, I discuss that with every production company. You, you can't say exclusive to me here and not do this. This is the baby. I've actually created Psychic Profile in 2006. And it's been a work in progress till now, so it's 10 years. And in the midst, I've been helping people, and, you know, there's various media outlets. I've been in the newspapers and, and on TV about it and NBC for crimes and whatever. But, uh, yeah, so I hold it very dear to me, and I hold families dear to me. And that's, it's got to be a plus. It's got to be, it's got to be the first thing to go. Right, right. So even though that you're uh, real busy with all these things, you're still out there help, helping people. Absolutely. And yes. um, I was going to say, and also when you help them, so when you go to a place that has um, some sort of a, we'll call it a haunting issue, some sort of an issue where they're living with um, something that's paranormal to them, supernatural, and uh, you go there and, and uh, uh, help them or try to figure out what it is, now do you follow up with these people as well, or do you just sort of, that's it and onward? No, um, more than a follow-up. Um, rescue. We, we release and I explain to the spirits who are residual energy, who are, who are there, wanting the answers. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to refer again back to, to one of my books and um, looking at signs from heaven. When I went to the home, and it was, it was very dark. It had, a, it had a very dark feel to it. And I knew they knew I was coming, not even being there, but through the communication of the family, to me, the spirits over there knew I was coming. I could feel it. So as we get there, um, there's a ceiling fan going faster than... Like you've never seen a ceiling fan go that fast. I mean, it doesn't have the controls to go that fast. And it was amazing, because I'm standing in, in the hallway, and I brought a radio show. This goes back to 2003. I brought a radio show from my hometown there, and it was very popular. And we were doing live investigations. So I was like a whole week in this home. It was the radio show to explain why I'm there and what have you. And we were taking calls from Italy, from Singapore, from England, America, and Canada. And I'm going through this place. I think it was the very first live paranormal investigation um, via broadcast. And I'm explaining what's going on, and things were happening. There's a picture on my Facebook. I'm going to send that to you. I want you to take a peek at it. You should see the host's face. I mean, she was just literally couldn't get the words out. You can see the expression on her face. And then her her crew that was there. We set up cameras and took pictures. I'm on the step, and I'm I'm talking. There's the the entrance to the one hall on straight ahead of me. And then there's a living room off to the right, another entrance. And everybody's in the living room looking in. It was really cold in that area where I was standing. You see my breath. And I'm talking. They're snapping pictures. And when they snap the picture, you could see the face of a lady over my shoulder. And it, it was amazing. Um, we've got the recordings. What, was, what I did was I set recordings up in the hallway and then throughout the house. And as we're talking, there's dogs barking. And it's picked up by the recorder. 
and really weird noises, like something like on a Bugs Bunny cartoon show. You can't mimic this, and you can't can't do it with a human voice. But if if I if I can, I'll try. And it was just like ping and between, but it was really weird noises, and it was continual. And the dogs were barking. There was no dogs in the vicinity. There was no dogs in the house. And there were those noises we knew where they came from on on the recording. And then you know I'm I'm going through all this. So I said I'm going to go down to the land registry after after the second day. And I want to find out who was in involved in all this house. And I'm staying in the hallway as I'm leaving, talking to the owners. And the little girl comes up. And I said to the daughter, I said, she plays with you, doesn't she? She plays, touch your ear. And the wife goes, oh, my gosh, nobody knew that. And I said, yeah. And she goes, mommy, how do you know that she plays with my ear? And so I said, I'm going to the land registry office. So I went down there. And on the land registry of the home, you see um, the man's name and the wife's name is written there. Her name was Elizabeth Ross. But they put it backwards. The Ross and Liza, and they didn't have any room. So they wrote Beth up on top of the page. It felt like a little arrow going up on the top of the page. And then when I was in reading them, you hear me on the recording going, her name's broken. And she's trying to tell me her name's broken. It's Eliza. And when we went to the, to the, the land registry, it was Elizabeth. And it was broken up that way. So that was the indication to say that was her. It was Eliza and Beth. It was broken. So that's what we're looking at. We figured out afterwards there was a fire in the home down into the basement when we went. As we're down in the basement, I'm down there with the gentleman. It's dark, but we could still see up into the stairs going up. We couldn't understand why the people up there weren't coming down. And it was vastly dark, and the wife goes, I can't see a thing. Put a light on. Well, we had the light on. And it was dark. It was a dim light, but it was dark. And so she starts coming down. We'll walk over to give her a hand and walk her down. And she goes, this is very peculiar. It's really dark down here. And we started catching really bright lights in the basement on film and what have you. And all of a sudden, you see this whole vast black shadow on the stairwell. goes streaming up the stairs. And the door slams really, really hard. And the, and the people that are up there are screaming because it scared them. It startled them. Um, when we finished up, there's a letter in the book from from the people who were there, and they write what, what happens, or what happened when we validated everyone that was there. We, we come to, I think, day three, day four, and I got the recorders out, and I'm telling her, I said, you were, you were murdered here. And she goes, you can hear on the, on the tape, oh, that's the, tr- the truth. And I'm going, wow, you know, after we went through all the evidence, it was, it was, it was amazing. After we release them, and I and I say, go to the light, and go to God, and Jesus loves you, and, and you know, don't stay here, don't suffer no more. The air lifted in that hallway. There was no more cold. The next day, I think it was the fifth day, I checked back with the family. Everything seems to be normal. There's no more attacks to the little girl. There's no more things spinning fast in the air, and you know, lights aren't popping, and, and doors aren't slamming anymore. Week goes by. I check back with them again. Everything's fine. But it took five days to to get this to to leave, and it was, it was something else. And being drained—that's an understatement for doing that. It was it was amazing, though. Hmm. And uh, so, do you have you ever come across something that has really scared you, and? Uh, uh, 
you know, almost fear for your life, or anything that you might classify as we hear on as demons? You know, looking back at the paranormal side of things and being touched and, and you know, slapped, yeah. um, scratched and whatever over the years, yes, it's happened. What scares me more is when I, I was, I've been asked this question before, is, is it the living or is it the dead? And it's more or less the living because mm. of the threats I get from people saying, you know, let them bones lie. Yeah. In a case in West Virginia, and the guy calls up and goes, let them bones lie. Don't touch those bones. And those, you know, like, really? You know, so, you know, looking at that would be more scary, but I'm, I don't know. If, I know I don't have an ego. I, I know I don't. Maybe I do. My wife says. <laughs> That's a different story. But, you know, you have to put that, you have to put that persona like, really? You're really threatening me? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like I said, I've sat beside murderers. And, I, and that's what I go after. And like one guy, another case in, in Kentucky where I've held the, the recorder and Detective Andy DeLay, and, he, you know, he's there and we're asking this kid on a double homicide where he cut the arms off. And, and I got the kid to say yes. You know, he was there. And that's more scary to me than being invited into a place where there's so-called demons or spirits because I've been doing it for such a long time. I was in the movie Dead Whisper back in 2005, we went to Mancino State Asylum. Very depressing, very dark, very, you know, they're talking over top of me on film, and, and, you know, she's telling me to say my story and to tell the story of her, and so I did. And, you know, and then getting down to Al Capone's speakeasy in Chicago, there's still bloodstains on the floor. And I'm standing there, and they're filming, and I'm with Don Kress, who is an actor on Chicago Fire. He used to own this... Um, Speakeasy, and he, he's the he's the fire chief on that TV show, and so we're sitting there, and I said, you know, I hear bang, like right here, like, this is where the guy was shot. And you hear him talk, like, yeah, I shot him here, bang, like he's mimicking me or mocking me, and we're up in the in the loft, and this Al Capone Speakeasy one time was Al Capone, and then as the ears changed, Hell's Angels only, and in the loft area they found two guys with a table, glass table cocaine dead, overdosed, upstairs. And so I'm going through the emotions of talking to, to this individual and I say his name and I was off a little bit, but it, it, it was his name. And I said, you're here and I wear a cross on my wrist and I wear a cross around my neck. And he, he mocks me, he says, Jesus doesn't want me. And then you can hear him right on film as I'm talking. And, you know, not only that, it was, it was a positive because it was caught on EDP. So it was like, you know, it, the evilness of, of people, the spirits, they want to be understood. They want to be, you know, acknowledged. When I see people say, oh, I got pushed, I got scratched, because you're, you're, you're calling them out. There are humans on the other side that were human beings, spirit form, but they're people at one time. You have to respect them. And being pushed is that you're in their turf, you're in their territory. And, you know, then looking at the, the evil part of it, um, yeah, there's, there's dark entities out there. And we're going to cross them. Um, fearful. I can't say I'm not. Um, of course, you know, I get the chills and you know, I do what I do. I mean, they know exactly you because they, that's what they do. They harvest your soul. They want to know 
and everything in the end you know about you, your faults, your 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 bad and everything. Um so you have to go in there with an open heart and understand that you're you know, if you ask for forgiveness from God and, and you do what you do, that uh, the the dark can't really harm you and in, in a way where you're gonna dead be dead because it, it just doesn't happen. Um but yeah, yeah, you know, looking at that Alan and, and looking at the fact of and do you find that uh, now that you're uh, going to be getting more exposure on TV, um, do you think that's going to change the way you do things or the way um, you do um, investigations? No, I think I'll continue to do what I do. I do what I do best. I'm not doing what other people can do and how they do it. Everybody has their own different ways of doing things. Um, I'll continue doing the crime and helping families the best I can and the way I can do it. And doing the paranormal side of it, I'll do what I've done over the years as well. And to bring an understanding, to, to bring forth the education and what have you. And I'm there to learn as well because nobody's an expert in this field. Right. And they say they're an expert, and, and they're this and that. Well, you know what? They got that off the box of Cheerios. Or not. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's how I look at it. Yeah, that's true. You're, you're, you have to always be learning. When you stop, when you come to conclusions, you no longer look for any 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 new evidence, so you become crystallized. It's uh, you, You've got to keep searching. Uh, do... do um, do you find anything um, on television right now that you find is an influence on what you do? Um, back in 2005, I did, or sorry, let's go back even further. I think it was the end of 2003, 2004. I had my first one-hour television special. And it was out of Ottawa, Canada. And I was talking about spirit and investigations and the actual shows on RobbieThomas.net people can watch it and uh, it's called In Good Faith back then there really wasn't any paranormal shows on TV like Ghost Hunters or any because they came along in 2004 and there was nothing out there um, I got an interesting phone call from an individual from Kentucky who, who was doing paranormal work and he says to me, you know, I've been searching. There's hardly anybody out there who does this. You know, and he's, he's been on Space Channel, Sci-Fi, and whatever uh, over the years. And he goes, there's not too many groups, if you will, or how you call them, paranormal groups that are out there. Um, I look at it as continuing to do what I do. And then as the other people come forward, and again, in 2005, we shot that whisper. And I think that's when ghost hunters were actually coming on TV. And then every other show stemmed from that. Um, I got an interesting phone call, Alan, uh, back in 2007, I believe it was, that that whisper in my movie was the term paper in Penn State. Uh, people watched the movie, and that gave the idea to do Paranormal State. Um, it was an amazing phone call, long chat with individual about this. And I'm flattered. Um, you know, because everything else all came afterwards. And I look at it as, this is fantastic. And then before me, there was a lot of great people who did investigations, a lot of beautiful people out there. Um, Holzer, 
you know, many, many, many people. Um, the Warrens, you know, and then and looking and looking back at what you do, I don't know if I can change, Alan. Uh, I'm trying to 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 stimulate and, and figure this out if there would be a different way to do things. Hmm. I only know one way of doing it, and that's just bringing the truth forward and doing what I can do. Hmm. You know, um, people accept it; they do, they don't. Now, do you work with a lot of equipment uh, when you do these, um, or are you just or are you just using your own psychic ability? I don't. The only time I ever used equipment was to record for that family in that home that I, I explained to you back in two thousand three or four. Right. Um, I don't use equipment. I don't like equipment. I, I mean, I should rephrase that. I don't like to use equipment. Um, I like when the people who do use it like. Back in 2005, we recruited a great team, um, Michael Esposito, EVP specialist, who was very well known. He helped in the psyops in the American Army over in Iraq. Uh, he's a graduate of Purdue. Very, you know, I, I researched all these people, and I brought out the best that I could find. And sure enough, now we're 10 years, 11 years ahead, and uh, Michael is a colleague of mine. So I like what he does. And we, we mesh very well. So you have the science and you have the spirituality. And we mesh. And I'll explain to them, like, you know, that gadget, there's no good. It ain't going to work. And sure enough, you know, it doesn't or what have you. We rub off with each other pretty well. Um, but, yeah, I like what they use. There's certain things that I think that are just frivolous. But uh, getting back to the basics, you know, as we were kids, my first paranormal investigation was 1972. 72, 77, I'm sorry. And um, we broke into the Lawrence home. And I brought everybody, I did a, a convention here in town. I brought like Patrick Burns, I brought Keith uh, Age, all these guys from all these channels here in my hometown. And I brought them to where I did my first investigation. Um, went in there and I showed them a photo that was captured of the lady who was caught on film back in back in the 70s. And then, you know, it, it was great because they, they got to see what I did a long, long time ago. And I was only 11 at the time. So, you know, looking back at that, kids inquisitive. Our tools back then, you uh, know, wow. <laughs> the tools back then was a flashlight, baby powder, and a rope. <laughs> and we went in <laughs> searching for ghosts. The rope was to hold on to for each, so that the ghost wouldn't swallow. That's how we, our mentality back then, would swallow you up and we'd be sure to pull each other out. Mm -hmm. The baby powder was to throw on the floor in case we seen the footprints and we know to get out. Um, (laughs) 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 Well, do you think that they're going to laugh like that in the future about what's going on now, like the investigations and... Is there a positive to all of the television shows? Um, the positive to the television shows, I think it's gotten a little bit out of hand on the side that when you go into certain places and they have a show every week and they have so much evidence, I mean, it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. And they're fooling the people. Because um, when people don't understand, they get a... They get a they get a, a microphone or a recorder, and they have somebody 15 feet from them walking in, say, flip-flops, or they're rubbing their, their hand on their jeans, and their jeans make a sound, and someone's like, somebody here? 
and then you hear, rip, 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 and go, oh, they're talking to us. Well, no, it's not. It's a rip, rip, rip. You're hearing the, the person beside you with their, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that, you know, people are misconstrued about in, in doing these investigations and, and doing all this stuff. And they look at the TV and they go, that's it. That's how you do it. I'm going there. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's just not that way. No, I know. But that's what that's kind of the negative. Do you think that that's just going to all fade away? Like right now, I know that uh, when we're doing a lot of uh, our social advertising and, and going through things, I see there's there's so many groups now, and so many every town's got at least five some sort of paranormal UFO groups, and uh, about 500 mediums working there. And uh, do you think that the, as the fad wears off, that a lot of this will just dissipate and, dis- and just uh, disappear? It's like everything. It has a full circle. It'll be it's a fad for now, and then it'll be a trend again. It's a fad for now, and it'll be a trend again. Um, we're getting to the point where people are very interested. They want to know more about the other side. So look at the times we're living in. Very desolate. Yeah. So what, People are reaching. They're reaching, and they're they should be reaching for their faith and holding that still within them, and not looking for you know the not obvious that's out there. But you got people who are, are searching, which is good. Um, they want answers more so than it was back in the in the eighties and the nineties, and, and you know back then in the early two thousands. People just think, "Oh, you're you chink." As you said, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. Um, I remember coming off that first TV show in 2003. People were like, what? You know, and, but it was syndicated. And then it was shown all over Canada and the Europe States. And, you know, that's, you've got to bring this to the forefront. And I think people are, have done it. They're doing a good job of it because they want to learn. But let's learn properly. And yeah. as you say, all these shows on TV, it's becoming an influx of gastration of ghost shows that really don't, show anything. They're just out there, look, we got a, you know, and they run to the next room or there's a creek in the floor and they think it's something. Bring something forward that has a real good thought behind it that's yeah. going to show science and yeah. the connection to spirituality. Uh, yeah, and it, cause it, 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 that always leads me to the, uh, and I always like to talk to uh, all of my guests about this, the uh, uh, things like the Ouija board and um, and how it gets put as the the evil entity is in the board, and uh, and it's the thing, you know. Like um, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm. I, it's almost like an item that can scare people. You can, you know, make a movie of it. <laughs> yeah, you could make a something up in your movie of that. You know, um, <laughs> when you when you look at it, if you give anything in life, anything whatsoever, the power of intent turns to the the power of control, and if you give that substance to something, you're you're eluding who you are, and it's just you know you're you're just giving up. I mean, I could take this plastic bottle and on my hand, and it's like the Ouija board, and I can you know spin it on the floor and say if you turn right, then that means yes, and turn left, it's no. Um, you know, I I I, I look at pe- how people put the faith into things rather than into themselves and try to look at which rational and proper. Um, you know, all in all, I guess if you look at it, it makes good television. Yeah. 
Well, I just don't. I don't like the. Uh, it, it's almost inferred to as uh, you know, uh, walk into the into the house and and they ask the, the the owners, "You've had issues, yes." And when did it start? Did you? You, nobody played with a Ouija, did they? Oh yeah, we played with a Ouija, and then oh, it's a it's a you know portal and blah blah blah. Okay, so fair enough. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, they're in the home using equipment and asking the ghosts or spirits to talk to them. They're trying to bring right. them forward too. Is it not the same thing? I, I just think that they're they're selling a little bit of a fear, and it's just what I think. My point is. It's really kind of unknown territory, and it, it, I think it's the wrong suggestion to give to people. Well, it is, because like my wife says all the time, there's one paranormal show uh, we watch is called Paranormal Witness, because it's got a story behind it, and it's not, you know, so much all the trickery and fakery and what have you, although all these stories are, but it's, it's a story baseline, which is intriguing. But... You, you look at the, the avenue of a recorder versus the Ouija board or just walking through a Biden rise, you know, and, and, and enticing spirit to, to come forward. Or it has a saying, you know, if you, uh, if you go in and invite, you're going to get bit. Um, and then I like that, and then I came up with some there's people who don't know how to walk among the living who are trying to walk among the dead. You know, it's crazy when you look at it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's just off my mind. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, so, um, where do you see the world? Tell me. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I always have a great outlook for the world. Every day I have a posting because I love people and I love, you know, there's good in this world. There truly is. Of course, we have the bad and evil people trying to take over the world. But you've had bad and evil for centuries. And it's just, you know, it's just got a different face now, a different name. Yeah. A different way yeah. it approaches things. Um, we, we are a resilient human race. And we have to look at it as one. I wrote a book called Time Shift. And in the book, it started out as the screenplay. Mark Tillman, who did it for Stephen King, was the uh, casting director. And Don Hutchison of Liftoff Productions. Uh, his good friend, Paul Wayne's script for Don, and telling him about it, and I put in 9.0 earthquake off the coast of Japan, black tsunami, ravaging the land, and, and I put on Facebook from March 2nd to March 10th, 2011, everything that was going to happen daily was just enticing the people. Well, March 11th, five days later, six, or sorry, a week later, it actually did happen. And it was already written in the script. It was all posted. It was always stamped and what have you. Looking at that and seeing the the precursor of what was going to happen happen. These things happen all the time. They happen in the past, and people say, "Oh my gosh, you've seen a revelation. You've seen what was happening prior to it happening, and the exact number." Well, in the book, eight more things came true that I've seen post post publication of the book. A year later, a year two years, still coming true. And down to names and places and, and what have you. Um, you know, these are just things that we all, at times, will have a little incarnation of something come to us, and it's there. To see the whole world as a vast, 
or think about the world, I think that we're going to evolve into something more of a more oneness because we can't pick black and white anymore. We can't say gay and straight anymore. We just got to call everybody people, and that's who we are. People got to stop labeling people, stop putting them in corners. There's nobody better than anybody in this world. Everybody believes the same. It's simple. No one's going to get any higher or lower in this world. You're going to go 16 under like me. We're all going to reach the same place. That's just, just the way it is. All this ego and, and, and people thinking they're better than each other, and they're not. You know, and I see it daily, and, you know, it's disheartening because there's people out there who are loving people. They're loving, beautiful people, and we have to accept it. And I think that's the problem with certain groups or, or individuals is that they don't want to accept it because they're so stuck with that jadedness. And until they can get rid of it and, and learn, you know, the funny thing too, Alan, is I've talked to people over time who have gotten to that point where they think they're ready to leave this life and they're like 70, 80 years old. And it's almost like a confession. They tell me, you know, I used to be like this. I'm not like that anymore. Why did you waste your whole life being like that to this point you realize now that you're not like that? Why would you not just accept and you could have a whole beautiful life? And they sit there and they go, you're right, you're right. You know, and tears are welling up and they miss out on the beauty of life. And that's, that's, a, that's a sadness. And there's a lot of people out there who just can't put that ego away and you can't put that self-righteousness away and they think they're better than everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. The whole hierarchy, the whole labeling of, of people put themselves in positions, I know. I uh, yeah. see it all the time. So, well, so how do people get a hold of you um, if they want to uh, give you some information or maybe pass on a um, haunted... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, uh, RobbieThomas.net. You can go there. There's tabs at the top of the page. I'm actually looking right now, and you can see um, contact Robbie Thomas. And there's a there's a policy there. I know people love want help, you know, to help other families, and they say, "Can you reach out to this family?" I don't ambulance chase police, and the families call me all the time or write me. So there's a there's a policy there. I don't take third party information, and I don't give information about murder cases third parties. It's only the immediate family and the police themselves. So that's just out of respect because I've learned over the years that you can do that and it just causes legalities and what have you. So the information's there. Contact Robbie Thompson and um, I'm here to help people. That's great. Well, um, thanks very much for taking this time and, and we have a little uh, little talk. And uh, perhaps we can do it again. Absolutely. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you! This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.